0: this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he shares a great burden that he had on his heart for them. And so it begins, He begins explaining that to them in verse two, second Corinthians 11, two, and he starts by saying, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Now, in the original Greek, it literally says with the jealousy of God. In the Old Testament, the Lord often describes himself as a jealous God. Not the green eyed jealousy that we deal with in this world that is all related to self-centeredness and selfishness and, and things of that nature. But this is a jealousy driven by love. Now The Lord our God wants us to know him, wants us to experience his love, and wants us to live our lives in a way that he can pour out his blessings upon us. And this is what Paul is sharing with the church in Corinth. He is saying, this is me. This is the love (coughs) that I have for you. That same jealousy of God. I I want you to know and experience the full blessings of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But he says, I am concerned. He says, I'm concerned that something could be happening. And he words that in verse three, where he says, or where he goes on to say, after saying a godly jealousy, he says, for I have betrothed you, this is verse two, to one husband so that to Christ, I might present you as a pure virgin. Now, this is an incredible word picture that he's using here, and they fully understood the culture of that day. It's all about uh, the process of being married in Paul's day and time. and. Um, Uh, And so uh, he is using this as an example to say, I'm the father of the bride. So listen carefully to We had a wonderful wedding uh, yesterday up in the upper sanctuary where Evan Smith and Jordan McKee joined their lives together. And uh, as they came down and got ready for the ceremony and everything, before they could share their vows with each other, and before they could exchange rings and they could seal those vows and the covenant they're making, I had to ask a question. Here's the question. Who gives this woman to be married to this man in holy matrimony? And so her father says her mother and I. But he was the key figure there. He was giving her away. You know, in our culture we talk about engagement where a man and woman fall in love, mutually agree, they want to live their lives together as husband and wife and so they become engaged for a period of time and then they will go through the marriage ceremony and then there will be the celebration after that. Well, in Paul's day it was a little bit different. You didn't go through an engagement, you were just immediately married. It is called being betrothed. And when the father would betroth his daughter to a man, then the man would leave and go prepare a place for. Uh, his wife, that uh, he is going to be taken on, and then when he come back, he come back to receive her, and then they would have the ceremony, and then they would have uh, the celebration after that. Beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by the way, who uh, is the the groom. We're the bride uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church, the followers of Christ. He has left to prepare a place for us. You can read about it in John chapter fourteen, those first uh, verses, verses one. One through 6 where he's going to prepare a place for us he's coming back to receive us so that we can be where he is but in the meantime in the meantime in that culture the father had a responsibility and that was to protect and to keep his daughter pure until the return of the groom and then there would be the ceremony and then there would be the celebration, which we will have one day with with our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read about it in Revelation chapter nineteen. It's called the Marriage Feast of the Lamb. Paul says, Look, this is how I feel towards you. I'm your father in the faith. I am the one who, who led you to Christ, shared the gospel. You came to know Christ, and I feel that same responsibility to you to protect you and, and, and to keep you pure until that glorious day when we're all together and we're sharing in the marriage feast of the Lamb or when the Lord calls you home. But he said, I have a great concern. And here's what he says as we look into the very next verse. He says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds will be led astray from the, and these are the words that I love, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, to Jesus. He says, I'm afraid you're being deceived. Paul understood that Satan understood that he had absolutely no impact on the eternal destiny of anyone who has sincerely accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but he could have an impact on their life here on this earth. Paul understood that Satan wanted to create confusion about their faith, what it means to be a follower of Christ. In one, one or two ways is generally how he works. Sometimes he just makes it so complicated, makes our faith so complicated that we get discouraged. In other ways, he does it by making our faith so casual nobody can even see a difference in our lives. In any case, if he is successful, then we become stumbling blocks for those who need to know Christ and to come to Christ. And Paul is struggling with that. Because even then, he was beginning to see how our adversary was working to bring that confusion. And so he began to cry out to them and to share from that point on everything that's involved in and being able to uh, restore them back to just the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Jesus. Jesus. This is really the basis of our study right now. Talking about expectation. That is, having to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, what does He really expect of us as followers of Christ? Now, here's what we've learned so far. And I want to bring everybody back into our same train of thought since this was a couple of weeks ago that we were looking at this. We have learned, first of all, that really what he's looking for, first and foremost, is simply an obedient spirit. Just simply doing exactly what he tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, with the right heart attitude. And he does that through scripture. He does that through the spirit of the Lord. He teaches us truth. And we, when we discover that truth, we learn that truth. You started with the gospel. When you understood who he was, what he did for you, how much you needed him, because you was a sinner in need of the incredible grace of God, and you responded to that. You were obedient to it, and you received him as Lord and Savior. That's the beginning. Now you begin to learn more truth. And as you learn more truth, he says, I want you to learn it, and then I want you to live it. When? Tomorrow? Sooner or later? One day? No. When you learn it, start living it. That's really all he has. It's not complicated at all, just to be honest with you. It's not, it's not complicated. Once you learn a truth, he says, I want you to learn it. Once you learn it, not tomorrow, not but that very day. Start living it in your lives, and doing it with the right heart attitude. <laughs> in other words, not because you have to. No, it's because you want to, because you love the Lord. You, you're you so blessed with what he's done. He's given you the Uh, complete and eternal forgiveness of the gift of sin. He's given you the gift of eternal life. you got eternal security. One day you will be with him forever all by his grace and his work. And you say, Lord, you're so awesome. I'm not doing this because I have to. I want to. And this is why, by the way, we have like the proclamation of the word in part of our worship. That's why we have other opportunities, whether it's a women's retreat where you're taught there, whether it's Sunday morning and our small groups that we call Sunday school, Wednesday night, women's Bible, men's Bible, all the opportunities just so that we hear truth. We hear it, it may reaffirm. Hey, we're doing it right. Thank you, Lord. Or it maybe we hear truth and we think, you know what? The Lord says, you need to make some adjustments. <laughs> And how you living that out in your life, all oh, we learn something new. And the Lord says, now it's time to live it. Now you know it. Now live it. So the first thing we learn. He said, look, I'm just looking for an obedient spirit. Do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it with the right heart attitude. But then we discover something else. This is kind of where we are right now in trying to understand what this means. Not only is he looking for an obedient spirit, but he's looking for a fruitful spirit. So if you take your Bibles, uh, if you haven't already, turn to John chapter 15, because this is where Jesus explains what this is all about in our lives. He wants us to be fruitful. Fruitful. We have learned in our previous study that means the fruits of righteousness, like uh, a righteous, loving attitudes in our heart, or righteous, loving actions in our life. The scripture also calls these good works. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That's righteous, loving attitudes in our heart, righteous, loving actions in our lives, so that the Father is glorified. In other words, they'll say, Hey, I want what you've got. And so he says, I want you to be fruitful. So to explain that to us, Jesus gives us that word picture. We've been looking at it of a vineyard. He's the vine, that means he's the trunk. Just to remind you for those who maybe haven't been here that when you look at a vineyard, most of what you're looking at is branches, not the vine. The vine is the trunk. And Jesus says, I'm the vine. We're the branches. But we have a, we have a vine dresser, what is called a vine dresser. His name is our heavenly father. And he has a responsibility. Here's his responsibility. To make sure that we're bearing fruit as branches. So we've learned he uses tools of course, such as the tool of discipline. He gets out his little knife, I guess because it's God's it's probably a big knife. <laughs> and he starts pruning, he starts cutting away, he starts working on those areas in our life that is holding us back from being fruitful, bearing fruit in our lives. Because his responsibility is to make sure it's a branch that I'm bearing fruit. So he uses discipline. We also have learned that he uses discipleship along with that. Discipleship is him using the truth of the word of God to expose some things we need to be aware of. For instance, he, he exposes untruthful presuppositions in our mind. Now, I know just by looking at the congregation, there's some here that were not here two weeks ago, so I want to make sure you understand what I mean by presuppositions. These are ideas in our head. These are thoughts we have. These are, I'm going to use the word convictions, that we think is true. This is true about God. This is true about life. The problem with all these presuppositions up here, this filter that we have, is that most of them are lies. We just don't realize their lies. But they affect every part of our life. Every decision we make. Even how we read the word of God. How we even respond to God. So God, as in discipleship, using truth from his word, exposes those lies in our mind. Say, oh, you know what? <laughs> that wasn't true about God. That wasn't true about Jesus. That's not true about the Christian life. I thought it was. My experiences, what I could see. And he exposes those things so that we, through the truth, can be set free from the lies. We start living the way he wants us to live. A second thing he, has, he does to discipleship we learned is he not only exposes those untruthful presuppositions, but he deals with those unyielding personal strongholds in our life. They, these are things that that's got a hold of us. It, a lot of times it's attitudes. <laughs> Bad attitudes. And we bring that into our relationship with Christ. Sometimes it's just anger. We don't know why things are happening where they are. We're hurt. We've been disappointed whatever form, but we're angry. And so he has to deal with that through the truth of the word of God. It could be attractions in our life, the things that boy, we have just connected our lives to. We love to do those things. And, you know, addiction comes in many different forms. Not just the ones we normally think of. And we're bringing that into our relationship with, with Christ. He's got to deal with that. He's got to deal with that. He does that through discipleship, revealing truth. And then not only attractions, they're the allies in our life. The allies are those people we've been running around with. And we'd like for them to know Christ, but maybe they don't know Christ yet. And so if we keep running with them, guess what? They're pulling us away from Jesus. From my Lord. He says, i got to deal with that. And then, of course, those are the anchors of life. You know what an anchor is? That's what you run to when it gets tough. And we all have them. Before we come to know Christ, we've already established, you know, what that is. For me, it's probably, well, it generally starts with chili cheeseburgers. Okay. You know, when, when stress comes, chili cheeseburgers come. All right? Well, that's just surface stuff there, but I think you get the picture. Instead of running to God, instead of running to our Lord, if we're not careful, we'll run back to the old anchors of our lives. He's got to deal with that. Why? Because he wants us to bear fruits in our lives. And so he uses the discipline, the, 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 the knife of pruning. He uses discipleship, using the truth of the word of God. What I want to spend just a few moments now with you as we, as we move on into this passage, he uses another thing called divine presence. Listen to what he says here. Verses 4 and 5. Look at this with me. John chapter 14, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says this, same picture, you're in a vineyard, he's the vine, we're the branches. And he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. Listen to this. He bears much fruit. For apart, for apart from me, listen to this, you can do nothing. Not some things. Nothing nothing so he says I want you to abide with me and I want you to let me abide with you there needs to be a very healthy connection daily with our Lord and Savior I'm a branch I've been a branch since I was seven years old where well, I gave my heart to Christ. Let me tell you about this branch. I am powerless. I am powerless to bear fruit. I'm just telling you, in and of myself, I'm just an empty shell. Now, don't want to cause concern to you, but I learned very early in life, I can fake it pretty good. You know what I'm talking about? Say amen. Good. Some of you are spiritual, some of you do, you know. It's the truth. I was blessed. Steve and I were blessed. We were raised with godly parents, loved the Lord. We're in, you know, We're here worshiping. We're part of the body of Christ from cradle row up. And in my early years, you, you could have you could have looked at my life and said, Oh, Stan's doing pretty good. Look at all that green foliage on his life. But if you were to inspect me at that time, where the Heavenly Father would be inspecting me, you wouldn't have found any fruit. Because the key is my connection with the vine. You see, every branch is connected to the trunk, connected to the vine, because it's at that point of connection, listen to me carefully, that the life-giving nutrients of the sap flows out of the vine into the branch. And it's these life-giving nutrients of the sap that empowers the branch to actually bear fruit. And that branch is going to bear fruit based upon, listen carefully, how healthy and how strong that connection is with the vine. So Jesus says, I need you to abide in me and I need you to let me abide in you. In other words, that direct divine presence of the Lord in our daily lives. Listen to this verse, Proverbs chapter three and verse six. The scripture says this, in all your ways, not in some, not in most, listen to what it says. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That is, acknowledge the Lord, and he will make your path straight. Now, what is, what is it saying here? What does it mean to acknowledge the Lord? Well, it means to get him directly connected. It means, let me word it this way, it means to surrender to him. It means to give it to him. So, let me ask you a question. What parts of your life have you not surrendered to him? What parts of your life you haven't given to him? Because in those areas where there is not a healthy connection in your life to the vine, and there's not a strong connection to the vine because you haven't invited him, you have not connected him to that aspect, that facet of your life, it says in all your ways you're not going to bear any fruit at all in those areas you're going to struggle and the heavenly father out of love is going to be coming in and with his pruning knife and and discipline and, and in discipleship trying to help you connect that part of your life to him that direct divine daily presence of God, where, where every, you start with him in that area of life, whenever you have to make a decision, whatever you're doing in that area of life or whatever relationship it is, and you start with, Lord, I need direct divine guidance here. Well, I need that sap to flow in this area of my life. But any area I withhold, it's not going to bear fruit because it doesn't have either a healthy or a good strong connection with him. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, same concept just prior to this word that he was sharing with him in 15. Here's what he says. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's the obedient spirit. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Flood their lives with our direct divine presence. Oh, I know the scripture teaches we're forever in the presence of the Lord. That's not what we're talking about here. That's just because how great and awesome he is. He is omnipresent. I'm talking about actively. Directly, divinely, actively involved in our lives. And so even right now, it could be that God is using the tool of discipline in your life. You might be struggling with him, I don't know. But he's doing it out of love. It could be that even today some discipleship is taking place. Some lights have come on as to what is or what is not happening in certain areas of your life. Maybe your whole area, I don't know. But the bottom line is his presence, his active presence where we acknowledge him, we draw him in, we connect him directly to those parts of our lives, all the parts of our lives. And the scripture says, not only will you bear fruit, not only will you bear more fruit, he says you will bear fruit. this person so my challenge to you right now before we move on in our worship and before we go into this new week we have to evaluate your life the areas where you're struggling where areas where maybe you haven't connected you haven't acknowledged God he will make your path straight is what the scripture says in other words he'll be in charge And he'll tell you exactly what to do. And then with an obedient spirit, what do we do? Exactly what he tells us to do. When he tells us to do it, I have a want to in our hearts. Well, all of this starts where? At the cross, right? It all starts with Jesus, our Messiah, coming to know who he is and accepting him as Lord and Savior having received that incredible forgiveness, not because we deserve it. No one does, but out of his incredible goodness and grace in our lives, he offers it to whosoever. And we wanna celebrate that. I, I, I wanna just have a time, would you just bow your heads and just close your eyes in a spirit of prayer. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a beautiful song Jesus Messiah in just a moment and then close with, um, with communion together.